So welcome again to the podcast, Alex Sager, the head of our cybercrime division. And uh, you're here now with a, at a conference with quite a few of the partners. Very pleased today to invite partners from the private sector. And of course, with the cybercrime convention, it has this particular interesting point that it brings together not only the Council of Europe, not only the governments, also the private sector, also law enforcement. So it's really something quite special. And over to our guests, we have Ashlyn Kelly, who is from Microsoft, joining us today. And also JC Letuki, I think I've got that pronunciation correct, um, who is working for an organisation called In Hope, which is the global federation to make sure that we're really combating child sexual abuse online. So I think we've got some very interesting guests today. And um, I'd like to kick off just, Alex, with you and ask you way back, way back when the Cybercrime Convention first came into being, it was really different, the idea of bringing the private sector. How did that come about? Well, thank you. Great to be here again today. Uh, 18 years ago, I believe, we started to discuss this in detail with people like Jean-Christophe Letoquin, uh, who is here with us today with, with, with Microsoft and other private sector entities of how we can cooperate. And in 2008, this led to an interim result in the set of guidelines on law enforcement service provider cooperation that we adopted at the conference level. And that has shaped cooperation for many, many years between private sector entities and criminal justice authorities. But now with this new protocol, this will take it to yet another level. So, JC, you were there right at the beginning. How hard was it to get private, the private sector interested in what the Council of Europe was doing? Well, to be honest, what we did was just, and I should, maybe should not disclose this, but was to do it in the in the back of our uh, management. <laughs> so that was a qu and that was the same on the law enforcement side, and uh, it was basically Alexander, uh, myself, uh, and then there was a police officer uh, called Christian Agrom, who also decided to do it on in the back of his management. When in the back, it's not only in the back. I, I, did some steps so to inform people and then but quietly enough so that people do not overreact and then as it becomes a success then I could gradually disclose my my, my role so that was a kind of a trick so yeah. those tricks are often very useful when you come to actually starting off something new and um Ashling, you're from microsoft mm -hmm. uh, so to bring microsoft in of course is very important if you're working on cybercrime you need to have the big names there how do you think that worked how do you how do you feel now about that partnership and what was done at the beginning well it's interesting because i'm relatively new to microsoft so in my former life i was a public prosecutor for 18 years so I've had the experience of trying to get information from large tech companies. And the first uh, case that I, I had that uh, interaction with was back in 2018. I was trying to deal with a murder and get information from America, date, um, digital evidence. And it was really, really difficult. So it kind of sparked for me an interest in digital evidence. Um, and I continued that interest along the way um, and kind of upskilled and learnt. And, and then when I heard about, you know, what's happening with the Council of Europe and the second additional protocol. It was just at that point in my career where I was, where, where I was considering a move to the private sector. Microsoft already had a very uh, mature uh, law enforcement and national security team based out of the US. They were looking for someone to come in from a European perspective. So I'm based in Dublin um, and coming into it in the past year or so, I've noticed that the kind of the mature um, 
uh, groundings that Microsoft have have developed over time in the US have re- are really reaping rewards in Europe now because we're establishing a great presence and we're here today, um, you know, to, to cooperate and to build build bridges and networks. So it sounds, Alex, like this has been a real growing opportunity, a real sense of evolution and bringing people together to fight cybercrime. How do you see it from your point of view? Well, the starting point, from my point of view, and I've been involved um, 20 years in in the supporting the implementation of, of the Budapest Convention, the, the the first point when we realized that, for example, United States would only ratify and become a party to the Budapest Convention if there's a private sector support. So in the very first Octopus Conference that I organized in 2004, we had at the same time four or five companies, Microsoft among them, eBay, Symantec at the time, and I think there were some others that, I think some of those that are important today didn't even exist at the time, but never mind. But those four or five companies um, sent an open letter to Congress, to US Congress, to support the United States to become a party to this treaty. And then in 2006, two years later, Congress ratified and, and the, the, the convention and the United States became a party, which was essential because it's the private sector entities that have the data, the data that prosecutors in her former life <laughs> need from her as Microsoft in her current life. Uh, in order to investigate uh, secure electronic evidence because this data is held by service providers. There's no way to get anywhere without cooperation between private sector and public sector. And then, of course, we also understand for the private sector it's complicated because they work in multiple jurisdictions with different rules. Uh, And therefore, it's important, and Microsoft has been supporting also implementation of the Budapest Convention, because that will help many countries to have similar type of rules or compatible rules, which also makes life easier for, for the private sector. So it's a, it's a win-win for, for everyone. And uh, we've been working with different private sector organizations, with associations of internet service providers, of course, also, um, and so on. But uh, Microsoft has been pioneering uh, much of this. So it's very interesting to hear that it went right up to the top in the United States. It's really changed the landscape from the beginning. Indeed, we have to cooperate with each and every one. We have to cooperate with um, service providers, with companies like Microsoft, like Google, like Facebook, like Buick, like Deutsche Telekom, like Telefonica, like like any everybody. Um, with service provider associations, with uh, also with civil society. So it's important that everyone is heard because everyone is affected by what we are doing. So what I'm hearing is the fact that it's really important that. Bringing everybody together means that you have really got a good coverage for every single man, woman and child out there against cybercrime. And Ashling, I was going to come to you. you. You mentioned how important it was for you and how in your previous life you'd seen it. Can you see the difference that the second additional protocol will make in getting that evidence that is needed by law enforcement to bring cases? Yes, because it's been crafted with all the different voices which Alexander spoke about. So I think the power of the second edition protocol is that there's lots of different constituencies which have fed into it. So, for example, as a technology provider, the privacy of our users is paramount and those rights are protected in the second additional protocol. Uh, For civil society, there's also other human rights which need to be uh, in the body of the text, which they are. And obviously then for law enforcement, the direct access is really important. So the protocol is very kind of a wholesome approach to all of the different constituencies that have fed into it. And do you find there's any difficulties in working with 
the public sector, with working with an international organisation. And there's certainly a different language, there's a different approach. How do you overcome that? I think it's really helpful that lots of people in the um, private industry now doing this type of work for large providers have come from uh, governmental um, backgrounds and so they speak that language and they understand the the, you know, the multi-stakeholder collaboration which is required to work with any type of international um, organisation. So turning to you JC, you've got a very interesting task now of combating um, child sex abuse online and of course that, that is another topic that the Council of Europe deals with as well in its children right, children's rights division. So um, can you tell me how the Cybercrime Convention helps you with that work and specifically how the partners help you with that work? Yes, I think for the cybercrime is has different pillars. So for us to be uh, to have our topic covered by uh, the Council of Europe and taken care of as the Council of Europe is very important. I'll give you an example of uh, there is a new uh, new regulation which is being discussed by the European Commission, which was announced. Uh, I mean, just recently on the eleventh uh, of May. And, and it's very interesting to see that this regulation, which aims at improving really the uh, the way industry uh, detect and remove uh, images and videos of abuse of children, I mean, this regulation is um, very necessary uh, for our children, for our society. But it's interesting to see that the way uh, at the moment the Commission plans to get it implemented is very different, unfortunately, from what the for the Council of Europe is doing. So if you look at the uh, the way the Council of Europe works, and Alexander Zega here, you really look at involving the private sector and involve the uh, the companies, uh, the law enforcement, but also the civil society, uh, more generally speaking. And this is where Council of Europe is so interesting, is because it is about rule of law, it is about democracy, it is about really uh, people. Yeah, so what you're talking about is the importance of partnership, but also the fact that you've got a legal text, which on the face of it can look dry, difficult, and you're really saying what we're doing here at the Council of Europe brings that to life. It helps people. And also, I was thinking, I mean, obviously, child sex abuse is a, a headline thing. It's high on people's minds for cybercrime. But the different forms of cybercrime as well. And what would you say for the future is going to be one of the most difficult problems? And I'll come to each of you in turn for your answer. So I think the next to the um, to the issue of child abuse, you have the issue of encryption of communication. You must be uh, actually very familiar with this. So there is a kind of tension at the moment on, OK, we need to protect people and children. And then for this, you need to be able to detect, uh, I mean, bad behaviors and dangerous criminals. Uh, but at the same time, the society is at threat from, I mean, all kind of bad actors, as you mentioned, which can be governments or can be just, I mean, criminals. And then for, for to protect the population, you need encryption. And so the, we are going to enter in a very interesting time when it will be time to make decisions on, OK, how far do we go in encrypting communication so everybody is safe? But how far do we go in detecting bad communication so that we rescue the children? Uh, and I can tell you it's a very difficult uh, situation. That will be one of the key topics coming in the coming years. Ashling, do you agree with that? Are there other dangers on the horizon? Are there other opportunities on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, I think in the past three or four years, we've seen an explosion in ransomware. And I think the interesting thing about ransomware is that 
you have parallels to how victims behave in ransomware that, as you do with other types of crime because there's a shame in admitting that you've been a, a target of ransomware or reputational damage and that's echoed in other type of sexual violence crimes where the complainant won't come forward because of a shame element so I think we've got a lot, a lot to do about uh, telling you know companies and small little agencies and and you know uh, shops and individuals that it's okay to come forward to law enforcement and the public authorities when you've been a victim of ransomware and that's a really important message to get through and then in a wider horizon I see kind of issues with cybercrime within the context of AI artificial intelligence and the challenges to upskill everyone to be able to investigate that. Alex the big challenges that we face for the future and perhaps a little about how the Council of Europe is preparing itself for those challenges? Well, a major challenge that we have identified some years ago was how to obtain electronic evidence to bring offenders to justice. Because if you have 0.01% of offenders or of offenses having a criminal justice outcome, this undermines the whole credibility of, of the rule of law of states. So with this protocol, we have taken a major step, a major step here and now the challenge is to implement it and to implement it quickly so these tools become available to criminal justice authorities not in five years or ten years but within the next two years this is very important at the at a different level in a way a major challenge and it's in a way related to this tension between security and freedoms you know around encryption or many of uh, many other topics but at the at the a macro level if if you like about the tension between having a free, open and global internet versus governments taking control to have a sort of situation as we see now in, 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 in Russia, which is quite dystopian, where the government decides what information is made available and can be shared and is accessible and what information is to be criminalized and, and, and so on. So that is a very dangerous one. So it's important also as Council of Europe that we keep insisting on this free open and global internet, at the same time make it sufficiently secure that, that people can uh, can be safe. Uh, and I think this protocol is a major step, but there's also a lot of policy work uh, to be done, policy dialogue to be, uh, to be done, because what I said just now sounds abstract. But if you look at the situation in Russia, uh, it's not so abstract. It shows what it means in, in, in reality. Mm -hmm. To just show that every day, everywhere, we, we have to be careful about cybercrime, but also the consequences of misinformation and disinformation. So thank you very much to everybody and good luck with the future. Good luck to the private sector, to the private partners and to you doing this important work against cybercrime. And we hope to see you again on the podcast another time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.